Welcome back to our next edition of the CVV Review Studio Podcast. I am Dan Siegel, joined as always by my co-host, Ben Anderson. We are also joined by our own CVV Reviews, Bailey Tucker, for another edition of CVV Rank Previews. We are counting down the days to the start of the regular season in college basketball. We are going 100 to 1 on the site with one team preview every day. On today's podcast, we are going to talk teams 45 to 41 in the rankings and We'll get started in just a sec, but before we do that, just want to remind everybody, if you are listening and you are not subscribed yet, would really appreciate that. We are trying to get those numbers up by the start of the regular season. It costs nothing on your end, of course, and really helps us out. So thank you guys so much. Let's get started. So we have our 45th team ranked in CB rank. We have Iowa State, the Cyclones. Last year in a loaded Big 12, the Cyclones went 19-14, and 9-9 in conference, and ended up getting into that tournament as a nine seed. To my surprise, they got handled by Pitt in that tournament, but they just lost a lot of games really down the stretch. I feel like they had trouble scoring the rock. They had a lot of seniors. Five of their top six contributors from last year are gone, but... This I feel like this is a theme for these five teams, actually. They bring in a star-studded freshman class, as well as a few mid-major transfers. So, Bailey, I'll start with you. Are you Do you think this Iowa State team is ready to compete quite yet? You know, the Big 12 is just such a competitive conference when it comes to basketball. And for the last couple of years, we've really seen the Big 12 teams shine in postseason and regular season. Iowa State, I feel like, has kind of been on the fence with that. Like sometimes we see them perform very well and sometimes we see them perform not so well. So they're a little inconsistent. I'd like to see them perform well this season. I just don't know if they have what it takes to be that top team or one of the top teams in the Big 12. Thank God. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with what you just said there, Bailey. The key right here is the freshman. I mean, Omaha Bilyeu and Milan um, Momslavich um, are the first and third highest recruits in school history. And that sort of shows that TJ Altelberger's got Otzelberger's got something being built here um, in, in Ames, but I think it'll take a while. I think this is more of a transition year than anything else. Otzelberger perf- overperformed in both of his two first years here at, at Iowa State, and I'm interested to see what it looks like in the future, but for now, I don't think Taman Lipsy um, and even like a guy like Jackson Papaletsky from, from Wofford is going to be able to compete uh, in that 14-team league that is just such a grind, like Bailey mentioned. I, I see this as more of, you know, that classic. I feel like I've said this for every Big 12 team that we've done so far, Dan, but this is a clear, like, ninth-place finisher for me for me in the conference. Well, yeah, and that kind of aligns with what we have as a site. We have them ranked eighth in the Big 12, so one spot higher. But I think this offense can definitely improve. I like Lipsy, the rising sophomore. He'll lead the way, and, you know, it's really going to be about those young guys, whereas last year it was about the old guys. Mom, Mom Salovich, I'm sorry, Iowa State fans, if I'm not getting that name right, but him and Bilu are both really freshmen that have a lot of upside and they're not going to be one and done. So that's the main, the main point there, at least most likely. So I think this year, this team is a year away and we can see some sparks, especially on the offensive end. I just don't see this team replicating what they did last year on the defensive end. 
and also remember how much they kind of fell off down the stretch. So they're not really going into the season with a ton of momentum and the big 12, the big 12 schedule is a grind like both of you mentioned. So let's move on. We got number 44. We got the Clemson Tigers. This is a program that if I were to tell you that their head coach, Brad Brownell has been there for 13 years at an ACC school, you would have probably expected a little bit more out of what Clemson has done over that period of time. They have a sweet 16, but that's really all they have, just that one Sweet 16 appearance, a handful more tournament appearances. But they've just been consistently respectable and not bad, and maybe a little bit above average. Ben, does this strike you as anything different than your typical Clemson fringe tournament teams? They'll have their ups, they'll have their downs, but they'll be scary, but they'll also lose a couple of bad games. I think this team is a step above what we normally see from Clemson teams. Um, They do lose a couple of pieces, but other than that, I mean, Hunter Tyson, obviously a big loss, and then Brevin Galloway as well. But one thing about this team is that they're going to be able to score the rock, right? I'm not worried about them performing offensively, and that's not necessarily what you think of first when you think of Brad Barnell coach teams. But bringing in Joe Girard, I think, will be massive for this program, and having returners like P.J. Hall and Chase Hunter um, round out the top top edge of that scoring offense will – be make Clemson one of the more dangerous teams in the ACC, in my opinion. My question with this team is the depth, actually. Um, they're very old at the top, right? All, all top seven of their starting projected, projected contributors are either juniors or seniors, but they have a starting five, um, including Jake Heidbreder, um, who's a transfer from Air Force, and then along with Jack Clark, with the three people I mentioned before. And they have Alex Hemingway and Ian Shefflin um, as a sixth and seventh man, but that doesn't really scream... Uh, production to me off the bench. I think one one of the two guys that are going to step up, um, they have to do so. Um, maybe Josh Beadle or RJ Godfrey. These are incoming or uh, rising sophomores that could have the potential to pop outside of of those two that I mentioned before. But if you're looking at the grind of an ACC schedule, which I think will be an improved conference this year based off of last year, um, I just I'm worried about what they're going to look like in in late February and March. But I do think they're going to have a really good start to the season. I think they're going to blow teams out of the water with their offensive firepower, um, but they might fizzle at the end of the year um, would be my prediction. Go ahead, Bailey. Um, so I'm very excited to see what Joe Girard can do for this Clemson team. Um, I'm currently in the process, um, spoiler alert, of writing an article on the ACC point guards and ranking them. Um, so I've been looking a lot at Joe Girard lately, and he's a little inconsistent, but I feel like this Clemson team can really just take anything they can get at this point. They're not a bad team, but they're just not one that really stands out for me. I will say their center, um, PJ Hall, puts up some pretty great numbers. Um, I'm really excited to see how he fares down below. And like we were saying earlier, um, it's an older team. Hopefully those older guys can show some veteran presence, some leadership, and really help get these younger guys maybe in mid-season, post-season possibly into a form where they can start contributing more and really start helping the team and not just from a point on the bench just cheering them on, but actually getting in the game and putting up some numbers and doing some stuff on the court. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned PJ Hall because I just he's really, I think, just so underrated as just the polish that he has as on the offensive end 
not the greatest defender in the world, but you have Hall, you have Girard, you have Hunter. That's 15.3, 16.4, 13.8 points per game. Offense won't be the issue with this Clemson team. I think they will struggle just to add on top of that to guard the athletic teams of the world. The Miamis, for example, I maybe like I, I want to say I was about to say the Florida States of the world, but that's not really where they are as a program anymore. But like just teams that could beat them athletically, I feel like will exist. The big issue with Clemson is just you can't drop games when you're playing on the road on Tuesday night at like Boston college or like you're playing the bottom teams of the conference, right? They dropped a few bad games last year. I think they dropped one to Louisville that just, that just can't happen. And that's, what's going to hold that Clemson potentially, but they having a little more offense could potentially cause that not to happen. We'll see. Let's move on to the team that Bailey covers the most, the West Virginia Mountaineers, so I'll, I'll start with you, Bailey. I'll let you take us away here. Of course, there's obviously the, the negative attention surrounding the program and the way that Hug Bob Huggins, his career ended, and then you promote Josh Eiler from within. A move that, you could correct me if I'm wrong, was probably going to be made, but the timing was probably off there, definitely off there. I'm not denying that this team has talent. It's just hard personally to see a vastly successful season out of that group, just all things considered, all the noise surrounding the program. But what do you think? Yeah, um, coming from West Virginia and being a lifelong West Virginia fan, we were all very excited before Coach Huggins left with this transfer class that he had gotten. It was ranked amongst a lot of people, the top transfer class in the country. So we were all like, yes, let's go. We have all these talented guys coming in. Like, let's make some noise in the Big 12 this year because we lost a lot of guys, too. We lost um, Eric Stevenson, who put in a lot of work for us. Trey Mitchell, at the time, we didn't know he was going to leave, but he ended up ultimately going to Kentucky, which... So that's like a big loss. I think we only have four real returners on the team, and these four guys didn't really put up a whole lot of numbers. We also have Jose Perez, but he had some waiver issues, didn't get in any games last season. So it'll be a little tricky to see how he adjusts now playing for us after not touching the court for a full season. But I'm really anxious to see what Coach Eiler does. He's a cool guy. He's a good guy. Um very professional, very um, – the players love him. I've always heard a lot of the players say, like, Coach Eilert, like, he's just a guy. Like, we really enjoy having him coaching us. And he did a press conference earlier this week where he said that he is just throwing out any previous offenses that WVU has done since he's been there, and we're doing all new stuff now. So I'm really anxious to see how that goes. Um, I know from an offensive standpoint, West Virginia fans and – maybe the general public has gotten frustrated because it's a little bit of a slow moving offense. Coach Bob Huggins was more of a defensive coach. So he focused more on the defensive aspects of things, but coach Eilert says that he's scrapping any prior offense. So I'm anxious to see what that offense under him is going to look like. I do agree. It's a little troubling to think how far this team will go with all the noise surrounding it, but we still have a lot of really impressive guys coming in like Jesse Edwards, Kirk Creesa, um, Raekwon Battle. I know there's a little bit um, uncertainty with him as far as um, waiver goes, but I really think that this team, if they block out all that noise, I really think that they could have a successful season. So I'm anxious to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I really agree with everything you just said. I, you know, Dan, we've talked about this before last season, but I'm a 
huge, huge Jesse Edwards fan. I think he brings yeah. a lot to the table in terms of what he can do for the Mountaineers. Um, Raekwon Bow, I'm glad you mentioned the waiver issue. He is a two-time transfer, so it'll be interesting to see what that looks like for him. But one of the things I'm a little bit concerned about with this Mountaineers team is uh, the guard play. I think that Creasa in particular is prone to turnovers. You saw that a little mm-hmm. bit at Arizona. He wasn't always the most reliable player, especially if you're looking at him as your your one guard. Um, but overall, I really think that Iowa has done a fantastic job keeping the team together. You know, there was a lot of uncertainty um, around Bob Huggins firing. Creasa, I believe, re-entered the portal for a second before coming back uh, to West Virginia, to Morgantown. But overall, I think it's a really solid starting five. Like we've mentioned before, with a lot of these teams that are very transfer heavy, it'll be interesting to see what they look like in the beginning of the season. But if they're able to mesh well, I think they have a relatively high ceiling um, by the time they get to Big 12 play. I certainly would take them, in my opinion, over the Cyclones, who we just talked about before, in terms of the order of finish in the Big 12. All right. Number 42, we have Missouri, which I'm going to talk about a little bit because Dennis Gates really lifted this program right away upon being hired, went to the tournament as a seven seed. They did win a game and then they lost to that Cinderella Princeton team that made a big run. I think this could be a tournament team again. I don't think they necessarily have that star power of last year. You've got Kobe Brown, Demoy Hodge, DeAndre Golston. All of them are gone. That's your that's your three leading scorers right there. But it's an interesting roster, right? Because they did reload and they have tons of veteran options as I feel like complimentary pieces, just not the top tier all SEC talent they necessarily could have had last year. And that's why I see this as not an elite, but a high floor 10 seed kind of team. But I'm really excited about the direction of this program. They bring in a few intriguing freshmen this year. 2024 class is number one in the nation right now, so I think that's worth noting. I I think really the direction of this program is solid, like I said, but it's it's your 10 seed with a high floor right now. That That's my projection. Yeah, I agree with that, Dan. I, I really like Dennis Gates, and I really like the projection of the program and where that's going, right? I don't think this team is going to be really that good. Um, I just really struggle to see what is going to happen when uh, you're down six by four points, right, on the road against Arkansas. Who's going to step up and 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 be that number one option? It could be a different person every time, right? You could, like, I mean, Caleb Grill on our site is projected as the eighth man on this team, right? It could be him. He's, he's shown that at Iowa State at some point. He's not the most reliable player in the world, but um, he has that it factor sometimes, right? But if you're looking up and down the roster, there's no one that really sticks out to you that says, I like this to this person to be our number one option. Could it be Noah Carter? Maybe. Um, could it be Sean East? He had a lot of production when he was in JUCO, but it didn't really necessarily trans- transfer over in his first year at, at the high major level. Um, could it be Grill? Maybe. It's just, it's hard to see um, what that looks like. We end up with a lot of, nine point per game scores and if you're not florida state i feel like that's not really a a solid recipe for success especially in the in in the uh in the sec i just i don't i'm I'm a little lower than 42 on this on this missouri team but i can definitely see where people are coming from with in terms of just the massive amount of depth they have on the squad 
Yeah, Ben, I definitely agree with you. I don't know how I feel about the number 42 ranking. I don't think this team is going to be awful, maybe not the worst team in the SEC, but just with the departure of Kobe Brown playing such a key role on that Missouri team last year, I'm not sure if any of the guys on this roster, like you said, none of them really stick out to you. I don't know if any of them can really fill that role that he was playing on the team. And I hope that somebody is able to because Coach Gates has been able to really transform that program last year and the momentum was up. I know they were selling more tickets than they ever had. So I'm really hoping that they don't lose all that momentum with this team, but it's kind of looking to me as if it's going to be more of a rebuilding year and just trying to get these new guys in here and be able to get them to a place where Missouri can become a competitive team once again. All right. I, I think it's fair. I definitely, I definitely see the downside there. I, I mean, I, I like I said, I think it's a tournament team, but I think we could all agree that the future is very bright. And if they do lose a little bit of momentum, it'll be greater in the long term. But another program I feel like is similar in this sense is Oregon. And that is our 41st ranked team in our CBB rank. Dana Altman is coming off of a couple of underwhelming years, on the other hand. They finished with 20 wins in both of the last two seasons, but they were kind of stuck towards the middle of that Pac-12 and the middle of the Pac-12 is not really cutting it when it comes to getting tournament bids these days. The good news about this team is Altman brings in a few top rated freshmen and that's this class. So you have a really talented group coming in and these guys will be really challenging the veterans for key roles. Talk to me a little bit about that, Bailey, then we'll head to you. Yeah, I'm really anxious to see how these freshmen really compete with these guys that are currently projected um, starters for the Oregon Ducks. Um, like you were saying, middle of the Pac-12, not really cutting it for a tournament bid. The Pac-12 is definitely on the lower spectrum of um, basketball conferences. But I do really think that it'll be interesting to see how these guys go in and challenge these veterans on the team. I mean, Oregon really hasn't made a whole lot of noise with basketball in recent years. And I think it'll be interesting to see if these freshmen really rise to the challenge and get Oregon back on a pace to being a competitive basketball program. So I'm anxious to see what happens. I really don't know if this year will be the year for them, but I think the future is definitely bright with the top three or the top 33 recruits they brought in. Yeah, and for me, I'm, I'm really, I'm actually really high on this Oregon team. I think they have a lot of potential. Usually I'm not the type of person to predict um, teams to really make that level, high level jump if they're bringing a lot back a lot of production that they had last year. But the infusion of talent, I think is huge for them. I also think Cairo Quendo coming in from Georgia is a really nice pickup that went sort of under the radar for Altman, I think this is uh, the team that can get him back to sort of those, not necessarily the final four days, right in twenty uh, in 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 the late twenty tens. But I do think he has a lot of potential with this squad. I really like the depth um, in the backcourt or in the frontcourt in particular with Kwame Evans and the Folly Dante, and then you have a former five star Nate Biddle coming off the bench, and then like even Mookie Cook, um, you know, a, a top thirty recruit there as well. And then in the front court players like Cuisinart and Bartholomew. I just, I think there's a lot of talent there to go around. I think they're going to have a really good season. Um, and in a improving Pac-12, not necessarily, like you said, Bailey, at, at the top of the, the conference ranks, but I just, I think this is going to be a really good team overall. And, and then if I'm going to have to place a bet on someone to have a, have a good season, um, that 
is sort of under the radar. I think the Ducks might be high on my list. Hmm, interesting. I, I like Dante a lot, the center. He's just he's – he's a matchup nightmare. And with Oregon's team, Matt wrote about this. He pretty much said the exact thing. Like, they're full of shot creators, and Dante will really benefit it off benefit off of that. He's just going to really give the slower, less athletic centers a difficult time. Ben, let me ask you this question, a follow-up question here, because we have Oregon as the fifth-ranked team in the Pac-12. And the way I see it, the four teams which are in front of them in our rankings are pretty clearly in front of them. Do you see them as higher? Like, I guess we could spoil it a little bit in terms of what's to come in the future in our rankings. But just give me, like, what you see as your vision of the top of the Pac-12 approximately. So I I really like USC, um, and I like yeah. I like UCLA. I'm a big Mick Cronin fan. Okay, um, but I just I don't know if they're top four necessarily, but I think this is a year that the Pac-12 can get five and get five pretty comfortably. Like I mm. think that this is a very terrifying eight seed to play against if you're a one seed coming in the round of thirty-two. That's sort of where I'm at with Oregon. Um, and for me, that speaks that they're a little bit higher than the 41st ring team in the country. Um, but I think it's another one of those teams. that will take a couple of minutes to mesh, um, especially with a freshman coming in. But again, they've been here for a whole like they, this is their college experience. It's not like they're coming in from a different offense in a different school. I just think that the ceiling is there to where it's a very scary matchup for top teams. No, I, I, I think that's absolutely fair. Yeah, that, that's a good way of putting it like. They win their eight nine matchup. They have that that definite mold of a team that could beat a one seed, like almost yeah, like Arkansas last year. You know how they beat Kansas. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's the type of team that I think Oregon can be. Yeah, team. and it would be nice to see the Pac twelve get back to being the best conference on the West Coast because, like, I don't even know that was arguably not the case, at least in terms of number of tournament bids. It was even with the Mountain West last year. Am I correct on that? Or did they get four and three. I think they got they got four last year. I think. Yeah, because okay, yeah, you're right. But either way, I think that will do it for today's edition of the CBB Review Studio Podcast. Once again, if you like this content, be sure to subscribe. We are cranking things up once the regular season starts on all three shows. So be sure to check that out. Once again, everyone, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, and take care.